Warning, this podcast will challenge your thinking. Welcome to Business Problems Solved. In this podcast, we help you solve your business problems by providing real examples and practical approaches to make today better than yesterday. Introducing your host, the multi-sector, self-professed, most improved improvement person and qualified business problem solver, Lee Horton. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solve. What do you do when you retire at the age of 28? You get back on the business bike and carry on going, don't you? That is exactly what my guest did. Um, it's such an interesting journey. And I'll just say he went from the from welding to world-changing um, activities. I thoroughly enjoyed this chat with Norman, um, and I hope you do too. There's so much value in what he has to say, and he's an amazing, amazing guy. Such a personality, and I could have chatted to him for ages and ages and ages anyway um enough of me talking the value is on the other side so hope you enjoy this conversation with norman uh, and if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast please please do it helps me bring amazing guests like norman closer to us all so we can all learn a little bit more have an amazing week and chat to you very soon Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solved. Today, I have the immense pleasure of chatting with Norman Crowley, serial entrepreneur. How are you, Norman? Yeah, I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good. I'm well excited about this because we've said just before I hit record that I've read um, quite a bit about you and I really don't know where to start and I don't, I didn't know how to introduce you because there's so many different um, things that you've done. So for those people who don't know who Norman is, who is Norman and how has he got to sit in that is it a leather seat? Is it a leather seat you're sat in? Yeah, yeah. it's a very swish leather seat, isn't it? It is indeed, yeah. <laughs> How have you got to sit in that swish leather seat today? Well, I, uh, as you can probably tell from my accent, I'm Irish. And um, I grew up in Ireland in the kind of 80s. Uh, and Ireland in the 80s was like a third world country. Um, those of you who are listening from the UK, you know, we... Um, in Ireland, we only had one TV channel and we were always jealous that the UK had like four TV channels as kids. <laughs> um, so and I grew up in a farm in West Cork in the south of Ireland. And we just, you know, we were very, very poor. Uh, and I guess I always just wanted to not be poor. Uh, and I got a bit of an obsession at quite a young age with business. Um, and so when I was about 12, my dad taught me how to weld you know when you when you live on a farm then nobody can fix anything you know or you know you don't have any money to get something fixed and so the only way you can fix it is fix it yourself my dad was a kind of frustrated engineer slash farmer and so he taught me how to weld and by the time I was 15 I, I was Mr. Fix-It um, in the neighborhood basically if you were a farmer and you wanted a tractor fixed or a or a bit of broken gates fixed and you brought it to me and so I was still in school but really I was working um, fixing stuff and making money and I loved making money like I just you know farmer would pay me and I'd have money and and I, I've heard this story from a lot of entrepreneurs since you know that as a kid, I, I just had more money than all my mates because I'm like farmers would just pay me. And um, and by the time I finished school, my equivalent of the 
it's all levels are the last exam in high school, isn't it, in, in the UK? Um, like the equivalent here is called a leaving certificate. Um, then I had like 10 people working for me, um, wow. welding and fixing things. And by the time I was 20, I'd sold that business to to a local builder, actually. Um, and so that was the first taste of entrepreneurship. Yeah. And and at the time, it wasn't even called entrepreneurship. Yeah. Um, and that was that was the first leg of the of the business ladder. And at 20 years old, I thought I knew everything. Uh, <laughs> and little did I know. And then um, and I always loved software, actually, strangely. So when I was 13, I had a computer. And at the time, a computer was a pretty basic piece of equipment. Um, and um, and so then I always wanted to work in tech. And so knowing very little about tech, I just set up a tech company, <laughs> as you do, uh, selling computers, selling software, writing software. Um, and by the time 1999 came around, that was an internet company because we discovered the internet in the mid 90s. Uh, it was a couple of hundred people and it was in four countries around the world, wow. um, Ireland, UK, two offices in the US uh, and France. And so we were, we were serious business. And then that was 1999 and the internet was starting to peak at the time. And we got, um, we, two, two people approached us to buy the business basically at the same time. And so we got into a, got the two of them into a bidding war. And at the ripe old age of 28, I retired actually. For, wow. Um, yeah, for about five minutes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then. What did you do for I those realized, five minutes, Norman? Uh, not a lot, actually. Uh, I, uh, I I got some tax advice and tried to figure out uh, how, how not to lose all the money. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, you do the usual thing. We bought two fancy cars. I was married at that point, bought two fancy cars, you know, bought a fancier house and then realized that that wasn't that interesting and work was really interesting. And so... Um, I was over in London actually, and I met a mate of mine who worked with William Hill, the bookmakers. And I was I was waiting for him to come out behind the counter to go for a couple of pints. And um, I was watching people playing these ancient fruit machines. And when he came out, I I just wanted to understand the economics of why these machines existed, how come they looked so old. Um, and then I said, why aren't these like broadband connected video machines? And he said, well, if you think you're so clever, why don't you make one? Because loads of people have tried and failed. And I was like, okay. So knowing nothing about gambling um, or anything to do with gambling, we set up what became Inspired Gaming Group and Inspired Gaming Group in Six years went from zero to a half a billion dollars in revenue. Wow. Um, two and a half thousand people, public company. Um, at one point, we own 70% of every gaming machine in the UK. Wow. <laughs> um, and we were in 20 countries around the world. Yeah. Um, and then famously, 2008, uh, 2007, actually, a hedge fund uh, offered to buy the business for a billion bucks. Um, 
And when somebody comes along and offers to buy your business for a billion bucks, uh, you should accept. Yeah. And we did. Um, but And we came very close to selling the business for a billion bucks. But at the same time, we were doing all the paperwork. Lehman Brothers was happening and the global financial crisis was happening. So we were really trying to sell the business in the middle of that kind of global hysteria, basically. Um, and we just ran out of time in the end. That famously, we were two hours away from selling the business for a billion bucks when the whole thing came crashing down, Lehman's wow. everything, and we didn't get the deal done. Um, and in 2008, we just went through an incredibly rough time uh, with all our businesses because of the global financial crisis. But we slugged it out um, and got the business back on top. And then in late 2008, um, we sold the business off the stock market to a hedge fund for about a half a billion. Yeah. So, which isn't bad. It's yeah. not bad at all, is it? <laughs> no, it's okay. Yeah. Um, and so then we, um, so that, and then since we tried retiring and singularly failed, and <laughs> we didn't bother trying to retire the next time, but you know, we, we started to think that if we were going to do another 10 or 20 years of business, then we wanted to make sure that it, um, that it wasn't just about buying something for a buck and selling it for two, that it was achieving some purpose. Um, and so we looked around and the thing that we saw that had the biggest impact or was going to have the biggest impact was climate change. And so we set up what's now called Cool Planet Group. Um, and Cool Planet Group works on, it's a for-profit uh, organization very clearly, and it works on the three pillars that cause climate change. And the three pillars that cause climate change are energy, transport, and food, basically. So uh, so we in energy, we've got a big solar business, we've got a big energy efficiency business. In transport, we have Electrify, which is becoming famous for creating beautiful electric cars. Um, and then we're doing a new startup in the area of food in a, in a thing called cellular agriculture, which is basically creating fake meat in a bioreactor. Um, and, um, and so they're the businesses. And in the 10 years we've been building it, it's become quite a serious business, um, you know, operating in 23 countries, three of the top four food companies in the world are clients, seven of the top eight pharmaceutical companies. Um, so it's a bit of a monster of a business. It's backed by a French fund uh, called T2, which is a 27 billion uh, bank in France. Wow. Um, uh, and so we're busily kind of conquering the world. Yeah. Um, and other than that, we kind of don't do anything. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do, do you have the weekends off, Norman, or not? Not really, no. <laughs> <laughs> my, yeah. In my world, the divide between work and uh, and time off is very blurred, actually. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can imagine. Yeah. I can imagine. So, but, so my first question, really, is, is what is the secret of your success? Because when, when you go mm. through that, it sounds like, um, so you started welding and you grew that business and sold it. Then you moved into the IT thing, grew that and, mm. and sold mm. it. Mm. And then you, mm. cha you changed again and grew that and then very nearly sold mm. it for a billion and then ended up selling mm. it for half of that. Um, mm. And then, then you've now got this, this huge purpose um, mm. with those three streams and creating mm. immense value, but on a, on a global um, scale. Um, mm -hmm. 
What is your secret, Norman Crowley? <laughs> well, some days when things are going to shit, I, I wonder whether <laughs> I have any any secrets. But um, I, it's very hard to bottle up secrets of success, right? And and you know, even you know, because I look back on it, you know, Winston Churchill said, "Success is a series of failures tied together with optimism." You know, yeah. and. Um, and when I look back on it, you know, is it successful? It is, but, you know, we, we definitely made a lot of mistakes along the way and could have done better. Um, but when I try and distill it down um, into something that people can understand, um, I think of three things, right? Um, and when I was about 20 and I had my welding business, um, my brother came to me and he said, you know, I've heard about this thing where um, we can learn how to walk on hot coals. Yeah. Have you ever heard of this? I've, I've heard of it. Never tried it. Yeah. So, and Donald, my brother said, you know, you know, you think you're all that with your welding business and all that, but you know, you know, there's a big world out there. And also he said it would help you overcome fear and, for my all my childhood, because of the way I was kind of brought up, I was riddled with fear around talking to people, around lots of things. And so when he said to me about overcoming fear, I, I thought that was a good proposition. Yeah. And so I said, okay. Um, and then I went and did this thing. And then I became slightly obsessed actually with walking on hot coals. Because it is amazing, right? You get you get 25 ton of timber you light it in a big bonfire, you get a whole lot of people, 50, 60 people, and then you rake out the coals. It's like, I don't know what temperature it is, but it's like a thousand Celsius. And then you just get people to walk across 25 feet of it. Um, and, and it is kind of inexplicable because if you run, if you do it fast, you burn. So if you do it slow, you don't burn. Um, but you have to be in the right mental frame. And a lot of teaching people to walk on hot coals is getting people into the right mental frame. And I learned afterwards how to teach people how to do it. And then I used to do it for a while. I used to teach people how to walk on hot coals. And, and I was only 20 at the time. And the rules of success in business and the rules of walking on hot coals are actually very similar. So are you ready for this? I think so, yeah. Yes, I am. Okay. Hit me with it, Norman. So, so the first rule of walking on hot coals and business is fill your mind with happy thoughts. Right? There's no point in waking up in the morning attacking a business and like going, my business is fucked and it's such a load of shit and it's not going to work. And likewise, if you're going to walk across 25 feet of hot coals at a thousand Celsius, it's probably a good idea to have a reasonably optimistic view of how it's going to yeah. play out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and how they do that in um, how they do that when you're walking on hot coals is they get everybody else to support you, right? And and they might shout a mantra at you to say, "It's not that hot. It's not that hot." For instance, right? Or you're yeah. going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Some kind of mantra. But it's very hard when you wake up in the morning to have people shouting in your ear that it's going to be fine. But you can do things like in my, in our house, we don't watch the news. I haven't seen it. I had to do a current affairs program in Irish media recently. 
and I had to be briefed. It was one of these shows where you comment on what's been in the press that week. And I had to be briefed about it before. Because <laughs> I don't I don't tune in to the news. I don't yeah. tune in. I almost never tune in to social media. Um, and also I'm very selective about who I hang around with, right? Um, and I only generally hang around with people who are optimistic, who are trying to conquer the world. And it doesn't matter whether they have a big thing they're trying to do or a little thing they're trying to do, but they're trying to do it, right? Um, and that's a huge thing. So filling your mind with happy thoughts and consciously doing that, and also steering away from people who may not be the most optimistic in the world is a very good thing, right? Yeah. And people say, well, does that mean then that if you've had a friend for years and they're not optimistic, then you don't hang around with them anymore? It doesn't mean that, but it does mean that if, if somebody you've known is consistently negative for a protracted period of time and you've done your best to improve their situation, then maybe it's time to leave them alone, you know? And, um, and so, so that's the first one. And then the second one is, it, there's no point if you're walking on hot coals to walk along halfway, 10 feet, and then turn around and come back or dawdle for a while. It's probably very good to have a very clear idea that you're going to start at the beginning and walk to the end, right? Yeah. Um, and in order to do that, you need to know that there's a beginning and an end, and you need to have a stated intention to get to the end, um, and to get to the end in as short a time as possible. And also then to communicate that you're going to go from the beginning to the end, right? And everybody talks about it's important to have goals and write those goals down, um, but most people don't do that, right? Most people don't write down their goals, um, but more importantly than writing them down is communicating them, right? So if you've got a business and you have a goal for the year, then tell everybody that goal, right? Yeah. And almost anybody doesn't do that. So when we started our energy business, we said, we're gonna create one of the biggest energy efficiency companies in the world. Now at the time, that was a stupid idea because we knew nothing about energy efficiency whatsoever. Um, but we told everybody that, maybe because we're stupid. Um, and when you communicate that to people, um, what happens is about 90% of people don't say, that's great, Lee, well done. Uh, can I help you in any way? Most people would say, Lee, that's a stupid idea because you don't know anything about this, right? Yeah. And then Gandhi had a great phrase, and which we have on the wall of our offices, about change, actually, and trying to affect change. He said, um, first they mock you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. Right? And that's very profound. Right? And so if you look at somebody like Elon Musk, who'd be a big hero of ours, that's what's happened with Tesla and SpaceX. First they mock you then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win, right? Yeah. And we see that in all our businesses. But then if you're going to communicate your goal, then people go, first they mock you, right? So you're going to communicate your goal and 90% of people are going to mock you, right? Yeah. So, but the other 10% are going to say, that's very interestingly, uh, I know two people who can help you with that and they're the gold, right? And that's critical to getting the win. But if, you, if you're there and you have a goal for the year um, and you don't communicate it, then you're, you're, you're making your job very difficult before you even start. Yeah. 
Um, and, and it's likewise, when I want to lose weight and my weight, like every human being in the world fluctuates. Um, and when I get too heavy, I basically tell my wife that I'm going to lose a couple of stone, right? Because then I've committed. If I don't do it, then she knows I haven't done it. Right. Yeah. And I failed. Right. So it's the same thing, communicate. Right? And then the final thing, so is when you're walking on hot coals, is keep fucking walking. Because right? if you <laughs> stop, your feet are going to burn. Right. Yes. So just, and in life, like there is no luck, right? There is just people who, who work harder than other people. Yeah. And that's, that's critical. And the only universal truth, I've met people who've been lucky in one business and they made a lot of money and they retired uh, and they live on a beach somewhere. And they're, to be honest with you, they're boring bastards, right? Um, because the interesting business people are the ones who've gone bust spectacularly at least once um, and they're still slugging it out at 80 years old. Yeah. They're the gold and they're the people you want to talk to. Yeah, because... Doing it once doesn't teach you all the lessons. You have to keep doing it. Um, and the people who've done it and made a fortune and then stopped aren't necessarily that happy, right? Um, and so the gold is in all the lessons that life can teach you from doing business yeah? and, and keep doing it. Yeah? But the only way you can win consistently is to keep walking. Wow. So there you go. Yeah, love that. Love them three things. And there's, and there's so much in them three things. Did you realise how profound those three things were at the time when you were learning how to firewalk? Or have you kind of taken your experience and 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 then realised it? How, how did the joining together yeah. of those two things happen? Oh, the joining took the last 30 years, to be honest. Like, I'm 50 this year, so it took the last 30 years to piece all of that together basically you know. did you say and, you're 50 uh, this year you know man yeah 50 this year yeah. have you managed to yeah. keep your hair <laughs> well it's going in the front i just <laughs> brushed it around nicely in the morning <laughs> but um i yeah so and, and the other thing i've learned along the way is around is is that if 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 I was, I'm really shit at sports, sadly, but if I was really good at sports, then I would have certain rules around how to keep fit. And in business over a long period of time, I've learned some rules, very simple, another three rules, basically, which is if you're going to get up in the morning and eat shit, like shitty foods, then your body is going to be full of toxins and you're not going to think clearly, right? If you don't get up in the morning and exercise and move in some kind of way, pretty much every day, then your body is going to fill up with cortisol, which is a hormone. And you're, and this, this is biology 101, right? Then your body's going to be full of cortisol. You're going to be paranoid. You're going to be scared. You're going to be really grumpy with your clients and your peers. Um, and you're generally not going to be that great. And then if you don't have some kind of consciousness practice like meditation, yoga, you know, and I don't mean going for a walk, right? Or going for a run for that matter. I mean, some kind of practice. If you're religious and I'm not, then prayer, right? Um, but some kind of practice. And if you don't do the three of those things, and I don't mean one of the three, I mean all of the three, 
right? Then you are tying one hand behind your back in the process of becoming successful. You know? And so one of the reasons why you know, I might look a bit younger than, than others, if that's the case, is, and I have a lot of gray hair, um, is because I stick to those rules every day. And there isn't a day goes by that I don't do some kind of physical exercise, that I don't do minimum 20 minutes meditation, um, and it could be longer, um, and that I don't eat properly. And that doesn't mean that I'm a monk. I will go out and go on the piss as hard as the next person, and I'll go out and eat shite food and all that. But my everyday practice is not that practice. Yeah. Did you, yeah. were you successful and then do those three things every day or the other way, uh, other way around? No, I was, it depends on your version of success. I'd made yeah. money and I was still, you know, eating shite and not exercising and that, but I wasn't happy. I like, it was only when I figured out those three things that I became happy. Um, And now if businesses and shit, I'm still happy. You know, if one of our businesses isn't performing, I'm still happy, you know, Um, and, you know, but it took a while to learn them. And it took a couple of near breakdowns or breakdowns mentally to, to discover those things. I'm not a, it takes me, having the shit kicked out of me three or four times before I learn most lessons. Yeah. <laughs> um, what would, so, so slight change in, in, in question. So what would Norman of 60 year old, um, if he was to see you now, what advice do you think he would give you? Don't work so hard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you were telling me before we started about your mate and yeah. I died tragically like, uh, yeah, I think my Achilles heel is I work too hard. I'm very passionate about, I don't see it as work. I see it as the mission and I'm very passionate about our mission. Like if we don't, if we and Elon Musk and 5,000 others who are working in climate change don't do our job, then tens of millions of people will die over the next 30 or 40 years. And, uh, and will have very unpleasant lives actually. And so we take our mission very seriously. And also that mission gives us a lot of joy, but it's not exactly a work-life balance. Like we work kind of six and a half days a week, basically. Yeah, you're, ta- you're tackling climate change from, from, a, from a grand level. And I guess some of the people that live it, listening to this um, mm-hmm. can, can do things differently to help um, climate change. What, if, if you had to ask, people to do one thing or two things differently what would what would those things be yeah only eat meat four days a week yeah if everyone did that that would be the easiest and most instant change um that one could do yeah uh weirdly it's only one thing yeah wow uh, and pretty much it's something that anybody can do and then there's loads of other things stick solar panels on your roof buy an electric car you know, uh, there's loads of things that make sense. Like, um, and, you know, the people who've been talking about climate change for 40 years have done a pretty poor job. Uh, It's not their fault, but they've done a pretty poor job of communicating climate change. So our generation and the next generation associate doing something about climate change to suffering, basically. So if I said to you, um, I have a new 
like this is to give you an example of how the words have come into our world. If if I said to you, I have a new girlfriend, right? So you well, you might be surprised considering I'm happily married, but um, your next question would be, uh, you know, what's she like, right? And if I said to you, she's sustainable, yeah. then what comes into your head immediately? This ain't no fucking supermodel is what you're yeah. thinking, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> I'm not, by the way, not a sexist comment. You could call me yeah. a, a male supermodel. Um, and uh, and if I said to you, listen, would you likely to come to my house for a dinner party on Friday night? Um, you'd say, well, if we if we were in the same country, you'd say, sounds good. Uh, we do yeah. a mean dinner party, right? Um, but then if I said, by the way, it's a sustainable dinner party, you'd kind of go, oh fuck, like yeah. that doesn't sound great. So we have made climate change synonymous with the lesser, the least worst option, right? Where in actual fact in 2021, like think about the three pillars of climate change. Well, energy, well, sustainable energy is free, right? Um, and you can put some panels on your house and, and you don't have to pay for electricity anymore. But there's nothing wrong with that, right? then electric cars are the sexiest cars known to man. So why wouldn't you want one of those, right? And yeah. they're becoming much, much cheaper now. And then, you know, uh, is it too much to ask that you would only eat meat, you know, four days a week out of seven? It's fucking, according to the WHO, it's killing you anyway. So, you, you know, yeah. so I'm actually saving your life, right? And, and corn, chili isn't that bad, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's actually quite tasty. And so... The messaging now around climate is is so much different to what it it should be, and so we we've set up a foundation called Cool Planet Experience, and what it does is it just sells the cool story that is climate change all the time. Yeah, I love that. I love that you started that by by using the word sustainable and the I guess the the, the negative framing or um. That, that people have of that word. If you could mm -hmm. redefine the word sustainable, what would it be? Well, what we say is cool, cooling the planet, right? Um, because the planet's too hot and we need to cool it down. And then the process of doing that, you get to be cool, right? Like we create in our car business, we create some of the most beautiful cars that have ever been seen in the world, right? And people want them and people want them a lot. Um, and so it is. It's about being cool. Right? I mean, who doesn't want to be cool? Yeah. 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 I love that. So, from welding to the world, what's next? More of the same, really. I think between now and, and when we eventually pop our clogs, uh, it's about climate change. It's about climate change and education, actually. We see, we see a lot of problems at the moment in, in what social media. Uh, not wishing to give out about social media, but social media is melting our brains. And we all love social media, but it is warping our mentality. And we're forgetting a lot of the simple pleasures in life. And, and I enjoy a good tweet storm as much as the next man. But um, so the other thing we're working in, we've set up a new business called Rewrite. And Rewrite works to rewrite a lot of the curriculums that schools um, learn. We started off with Rewrite Climate, which is a new way of doing climate um, and explaining climate to kids. And the next one we're doing is around mental health. Um, and then the next one will be, I don't know, some other aspect of education. And they're just 
much very very different ways of educating somebody um much more fun much more radical if you think about like my kids are 20 and 21 and they learned in school exactly the same way i learned in school yeah Yeah. and almost the same lessons um out of almost the same books right and if i was a grandparent um i it would today and you know there are 50 year old grandparents around their children would have learned so then there would be three generations of people having have learned exactly the same way and exactly the same lessons from exactly the same types of people and how stupid and unacceptable and that is that when you think about it yeah Um, it it is completely crazy isn't it because so so many things have changed over that period of time as well um what would have been the one thing that you would have liked to have learned that you haven't that you didn't learn at school yeah um it would um well i suppose one of the things the advice that i would give my 20 year old self is trust yourself a lot more you know um like because you have to listen to everybody but then you have to make up your own mind and i think you have to listen to everybody because that's how you learn but then you you know you have to just trust your gut and what your gut is telling you uh, and most of the time your gut's not wrong actually you know um yeah and you know it's hard to say that because sometimes you trust your gut and make a big fuck up but in general if you trust your gut it won't see you wrong you know yeah no completely so what is it about business that has given you the passion because some people um they like um technology or some people like customers or what they've got like their own individual niche within business but for me for me you've you've kind of gone across different segments different industries um and we keep coming back to the word business so what is it about business that that gives you your passion norman well business you get to solve you know it's the ultimate trifecta right you get to solve a customer's problem which makes them happy yeah you get to have people work with you and you can effectively make their financial dreams come true. Like I've over the years worked with people who've since retired. A lot of them have retired very young, you know? And so we've made not only our financial dreams come true, but their financial dreams come true. And in our current organization, we take that very seriously. So we have a, we have a financial wellbeing program, um, and we teach people all the stuff that they need to know about how to make and keep money. And then also we have a program that over the years will make them into millionaires, you know? And so you get the, the people that work with you, you get to make their financial dreams come true. And then finally you get to make your own financial dreams come true. And you know, money isn't everything, but actually, you know, how bad we get to fly around in private jets and be really fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Earlier on, um, I mentioned the word successful and you said that it depends on what the definition of success is mm-hmm. for the individual. Mm-hmm. What's success for you? Um, I think it's now, I think if you ask the 20 year old version of me, it would have been some money metric. Now it's that thing, right? It's solving other people's problems um, making sure that the people that work from you are, are successful, not just financially successful, but that they they learn how to be good people. Um, and then, you know, having success in your own family, not just your immediate family, but in your wider family as well. And in order to do that, you need 
to solve a lot of personal problems, you know, because we're all egotistical and narcissistic and selfish. And so the only way you can be that successful across those metrics is to conquer a lot of demons in your own life, you know? Yeah. And I, and I think from the very, from the time we're a kid to the time we're old, you know, we should have a mission to solve our own personal problems. And people look at me and go, oh, well, your man has made it. That's a lot of shit. Like we, every week there is some stupid thing that I do that I shouldn't have done, that I have to unwind or learn something from or apologize for, you know? Yeah, I was going to, in fact, actually, um, listening to you and your journey, your story, um, the the number of pivots, the amount of money, mm. and and all of these, and the fact that you know it, it's it's world changing stuff that you're that you're dealing mm. with. It sounds really really exciting. It sounds mm. real re- amazing and amazing amazing stuff. Would you recommend to somebody to do what you're doing? Yeah, yeah, um, I would, but probably not as intensely as we do it. Um, because we, as you say, now it's a world vision. It's a very big vision. You know, we have a plan to take this company to multiple billions in valuation over the next couple of years. So it's a big play. Um, I don't know, like I watch my daughters and they, you know, they live a much simpler life and they have more time to enjoy a lot of stuff. Whereas because I grew up poor, you know, the monkey was always on your back to do the next thing and because you had to. Uh, and I think I haven't really learned to stop doing that. Yeah. And so, so I would think business is fantastic because, it, you know, if you do business well, it makes you into a very rounded person, you know, and everybody teaches you something. Um, but, yeah, you don't necessarily have to do it as intensely as we do it, you know. Yeah. How, how would you, I mean, we've used the word a few times, but just what is Norman Crowley's definition of business? Ah, uh, I don't have one to hand, to be honest, you know, um, maybe a, a, a thing. We have two rules in our business, which is rule number one, make money. Rule number two, cool the planet. Um, and so, you know, I would think you you can't be in business. I hear from a lot of people, they they kind of go, well, this is a social business. It's designed to doing a social good. I think that's just a cop-out, to be honest. It, like that says you can't do good for the world and make an obscene amount of money. And that's incorrect. But yeah. You can, yeah. The better you play this game, the more good you do people, but also the more money that you make. And then by all means, reinvest that money, which is what we do into the cause or into another business. But you know, don't use the fact that you're doing good as an excuse for not making money. And also don't use the excuse of doing good not to have a kind of baller lifestyle. Nothing wrong with that, right? Because that inspires, you might think that's selfish, but that inspires other people who look at you and go, well, I want to be like that. Yes. Yeah, no, I get get that. So uh, just two two more questions, if that's all right, Norman. First one is... Is what does a climate change champion serial entrepreneur have for his evening meal? <laughs> uh, I am cooking this evening and it, we are having meat today and we're having jambalaya. Um, and during lockdown, I learned uh, I used to be able to cook special K and nothing else. And now <laughs> I've got quite the repertoire. So, so jambalaya this evening. Yeah. Well, well, I know I said only two more questions, but you, you, you prompted me to ask an additional. What do you not do, Norman? 
Um, I, I don't have hobbies per se. Um, it's I'm either working or I'm spending time with the family and that's it. And so I don't yeah. play golf. Um, my wife at the ultimate put down one time we were at an awfully posh dinner party and the guy next to her said, um, do you golf? And she said, no, no, I'm still sexually active. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but maybe, maybe soon I'll learn to golf. Um, so, yeah. so I don't have, I don't have hobbies. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and I'm probably missing out by not having hobbies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. Or maybe not, or maybe not. So a final, final, final question. Um, uh, if people wanted to know more, which I'm sure they do, about Norman Crowley, yeah. where would they go? What would they do? What would they find? Because for the yeah. last last hour, this has been um, hugely entertaining and fascinating for me, but I want to know like, even likewise, more than I did. Um, so, yeah, yeah but um, what, what would they so find yeah. and where would they go? So go to Norman Crowley 1 uh, is my Twitter handle. So Norman Crowley uh, and the number one um, is, my, is my Twitter handle. And then um, Cool Planet Group dot ie is our group website and everything from how to come working for us with us all the way through to sexy motor vehicles all the way through to saving the world is all in that one place yeah amazing thank you very much and can i just say as well just thank you so much for your time this afternoon it's been an absolute pleasure to understand a little bit more about you and the the immense journey that you've had but also the, the purpose that you've got now with the with with the activities that you're on with so, so thank you very much norman have an amazing rest of your day and uh, and hopefully i'll get an opportunity to catch up again perfect thank you thanks for listening to business problems solved you can contact lee on linkedin facebook instagram or twitter by searching for lee horton the business problem solver or via visiting www.leehorton.com for more content and to solve your business problems. And remember, saying you know how to do it is not doing it.